0: Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom DuFour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you have ever used coupons when shopping, maybe for groceries or something similar, or maybe you've seen one of those TV shows with coupon experts that purchase carts full of groceries for some fraction of the retail price. Well, if you enjoy free money or fun savings with coupons, you're going to love today's episode. Our guest today is Mark Myers, the CEO at Peak Profit Solutions, and he shares with us how the U.S. tax code is full of what he calls tax coupons that can save businesses and high-income earners 30 to 60% in their taxable income. Now, Mark served in the Marines for eight plus years and received the Distinguished Medal Award and Robert A. Met Award for Outstanding Leadership. Today, he's the founder and CEO of Peak Profit Solutions, a financial services company that for more than 15 years has helped thousands of business owners permanently reduce their tax bill on average by 50% without replacing their CPAs or financial investment advisors. I think you're really going to find this interview fascinating. So let's go ahead and jump right into it.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. Pleasure to be here. My name is Mark Myers. I am a tax savings architect. That's my title, self made. (laughs) And my business is Peak Profit Solutions.
0: Tax Savings Architect. I love that title. and That's part of the reason we wanted to have you on the show here. I know we're about midway through the year at the time of this recording, but people need to be thinking about taxes and all of these different things that are going on regularly. So one of the things that caught my eye as we were preparing for this is how high income earners can reduce their annual tax by 30 to 60 percent. That Caught my attention. And so a lot of our folks that are tuning in are in that bracket. They're going to be in high income earners, they're business owners and executives and business leaders. I'll leave the floor to you to help explain what that means and how it actually happens.
1: Tom, you just gave me a loaded weapon. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. No, I appreciate it. So I would say a quick and kind of fun answer is clip coupons. How do you reduce your tax? burden or tax cost? Clip coupons. When I say clip coupons, people are like, what do you mean clip coupons? Well, just like anything in life, there's a retail price and there's a wholesale price. And generally when you're going to pay a wholesale price, it's because you have some type of relationship. You have some type of method of acquiring that discount. Maybe it's a coupon that you clipped that the provider gave, but you didn't know about. So I don't know if a lot of people know this but there's 75,000 plus plus pages of tax code. The first 10,000 is how you pay your tax. The last 60 plus thousand is all the different ways you can adjust, reduce, minimize, change tax based on the situation. So in that 65,000 plus pages of tax code are tons of coupons. Hardly any business owner, unless you're Microsoft or a larger company, they don't focus on their tax burden as a profit center like the big companies do they realize hey this is our, our tax is 30 to 50% of our profit and they focus on that because they know if they can reduce their tax they've increased profits hardly any small to medium sized business owners focus on their tax burden as a profit center because they think it's just that what just what they have to pay so paying 30 to 50% less is all about understanding what's in that code and where the coupons are that you can use to pay wholesale.
0: That's a very interesting point. And I like the description of viewing it as a coupon. It makes a ton of sense. One question that comes to mind as I hear you describe that. And I think maybe this is for a lot of small business owners. Part of the challenge is, They're busy, right? They just say, well, I give the stuff to my CPA and they just do it for me and they get that done to file the taxes. Let's say we get past that excuse or that piece. I think for a lot of small business owners and other leaders and executives, there's a fear behind filing these kinds of tax reducing initiatives, a fear of what if, it's not done correctly or appropriately because they don't understand it. So, how do you work with your clients or customers that maybe they're concerned about is this, I don't want to say legal, but is this allowable? You know, can we actually do this? No, absolutely. And I get that
1: question, you know, I wouldn't say ultra frequently, but, you know, as far as the legal, is this legal? Of course it's legal, right? Is it, <laughs> essentially, what you need to know is that in the tax code, there's a lot of black and white letters. And if you follow the black and white letters to the letter, then you are basically totally fine. The minute you start making the black and white letters gray, twisting and bending, then you could potentially be in a problematic situation. And what is that problematic situation? Are you going to jail? No. Is the IRS going to audit you and maybe say, oh, you should have paid that tax, meaning that you owe us and pay us the interest and maybe a penalty. Well, yeah, that's that's, I'd say, the worst case scenario of implementing a strategy that you shouldn't have. Of course, I'm never going to guide anyone into implementing a strategy that they shouldn't have. I'm going to guide them into implementing coupons that have been around for a very long time that have been used over and over. They have tax court precedent. They have, you know, a lot of audit defense in place historically. And as long as you do them right, you're fine, right? That is the key. So I'd say that just like anything, doing it right is very, very important. And here's an analogy I'd like to make with that. Most successful business owners that put their business on their back, right? They started with nothing and now they they worked hard and, and all of a sudden they're starting to make revenue and they're starting to have profits. And then they're all of a sudden they're writing these big checks to the to the feds and the state and taxes. And they're like, wow, this is a huge check. And it's like how they're so busy in their business. The analogy would be: what if you just went to your general practitioner? in medicine, and you had all these issues, all these ailments, all these things going on, and you just relied on your general practitioner to try to solve all your your advanced ailments. They never sent you to a neurologist, never sent you to an ear, nose, and throat specialist. They never sent you to an orthopedist, right? That's what happens to small business owners because they go to their CPA, and their CPA basically tries to take care of everything, and they don't send them to specialists. Why do they not send them to specialists? Mostly because the specialists out there also do what they do, meaning that if they sent them to someone else that specialized in this area of the tax code and that area of the tax code, then the, your, their client is going to say, well, well, maybe I just can, I'll just do my tax prep and filing and bookkeeping with you also. So why would a CPA send them away to a specialist when they might lose their client? So I take that problem away because I am the intermediary and the groups that I work with are not interested in doing prep, filing, bookkeeping, accounting. They're just interested in implementing their solutions with the appropriate businesses and servicing them. And I play that intermediary role. So that way the CPA never has to worry about, oh, I'm going to lose my client because they're utilizing
0: these advanced solutions with this other group. Interesting. Okay. So can you give a few examples without? giving out any trade secrets or anything here with how you operate or maybe examples of clients that you've worked with or an example or two, just to give us an idea of what some of these things might look like.
1: i love to. Yeah, that's fun. So I'll call the first example, the chip shot. The, the name is, is irrelevant. It's kind of a pun, a little play on words, because it originated in Augusta, Georgia about 55 years ago. So if you know a little bit about Augusta, Georgia, every year... Somebody gets a nice little green jacket because they win this ex- this exclusive, you know, this tournament, right? The Masters. So what the Masters Golf Tournament is every year in Augusta. It's been years and years and years. And it's a very small town. And the, the world of golf internationally converges on it because it's a huge event. So the chip shot started 55 years ago because people that own houses around the Augusta course, which are already pretty affluent people, by the way. Realized that they could rent their homes out for the tournament to corporations that wanted to wine and dine their clients and customers or to just other spectators that were wealthy that were willing to pay a pretty penny because they wanted to be close to the course during the Masters. So they'd rent it out and go on a little vacation and come back. Well, they lobbied these, these individuals because they knew people that were also in the Senate and Congress, et cetera, and say, hey. We're renting our houses out, but we don't get a lot of tax breaks for our personal residents. We get a mortgage interest, interest deduction, which they used, you know, now you don't really get that much of that anymore. It's a limit. You used to get all of it. What can we do? So, Congress and the House basically put a little law in place. It's uh, Section 162 and 280A and basically said if you own a primary residence or a vacation home or an RV or a boat that has a kitchen and a bathroom and HVAC, and it's not an income property, right? It's just a property you enjoy. Right. So it can be a second home, a third home, a boat, you know, but, but mostly your primary residence. Well, you can rent that primary residence to a third party for up to a certain number of days per year. And the income that you receive from that third party is not taxable to you. It's very interesting. A lot of people are like, well, great. I don't live on, on the master's golf course and I don't want a stranger in my home. So I'm not going to rent it. Well, a stranger is a corporation. A partnership, a S corp a C-corp. So if you have a partnership, S-corp, or C-corp, that's how you're structured, or you're okay with shifting that, you can take your first, in my experience, anywhere from, say, twenty five dollars to $50,000 per year tax-free. So t- how about take your first twenty five dollars to $50,000 of your profit and in income tax-free from your business? Why? Because your business is renting your home for the purpose of strategy meetings, board of director meetings, and maybe even events for your business. The chip shot. Boom. Right? Why I call it a chip shot? Because it's only twenty-five dollars to $50,000. What if somebody has a million or $2 million or $5 million worth of income they're paying taxes on? Well, $50,000 worth of tax-free income is nice. It's probably going to save them like twenty dollars to $25,000, particularly if they're in California in a high tax bracket. But then they're going to say, Mark, what are you going to do with the other $1.8 million of my profit? Thanks for taking $50,000 off the plate, but I still have $1.75 million to pay taxes on, right?
0: Great example, something simple, clean to understand and makes a ton of sense. So one of the things we were talking about before we hit record today is having an exit plan and looking at ways to reduce capital gains on the sale of either maybe some appreciated assets on business assets, other things that come along. So talk through some ideas around that. Tom,
1: absolutely. And and just just to kind of piggyback off my last answer, because I might not have given you as thorough answer as you want, but there's lots of the chip shot is just one coupon, right? If you have a lot of income, then of course, well, let's look for coupon number two, coupon number three, right? Tax code ABC, tax code XYZ, and apply those to reduce your income as it's as you're earning it. But to your point, there's going to be a time in someone's career that they have an appreciated asset, whether it be a stock or a cryptocurrency, or equity in another person's business, because they really believed in that other person's business, and they purchased them. you know, they helped them get started, or their own business, or maybe some real estate that they had, and they moved to another property with their business, and now they have this old property, but it's appreciated, and they're going to sell it. Well, whenever you sell an appreciated asset, especially if you've owned it more than a year and a day, it'd be a long-term capital gain, and that's going to be 20% up to 20% on the federal side, plus 3.8% as a net investment income tax, net income investment tax. And then you've got your state tax to deal with. So you're looking at 23.8 in California as high as 37.1% tax on the gain of that appreciated asset. So what I like to tell people is if you want to reduce that tax on that gain significantly or potentially eliminate the tax. So that 23.8 to 37% haircut goes away. Strategize your sale prior to the sale. Don't sell it and then come to me and say, Mark, I I heard you can do a lot of great things with reducing tax. And I say, yes, great. How much taxes are you paying right now? I'm paying $2 million, a million, whatever, half a million dollars this year, $150,000 this year. Why? Because I sold this property. I sold this thing three months ago great, I wish I had to talk to you five months ago. Because if you structure your sale appropriately, you can change the assignment of income away from yourself. You put the assignment of income into another structure entity that you completely control, then you don't take assignment of income when you sell it. Therefore, you don't have a tax bill and the entity has the tax bill, but it can be handled significantly different in the entity than it would be with you. Therefore, deferral or potentially even elimination of the tax. So obviously, let's talk about this asset prior to the sale. So I think that's really important. And that's for anything appreciated, particularly the business.
0: How does a professional such as you fit in with what someone might already have? CPA, a bookkeeper. In today's world, I hear fractional CFOs come up often or other types of financial advisors. How do all of these professionals work together for that one central either business owner or leader or or entrepreneur in the mix there?
1: Great question. And I would say that it's interesting because as I when I started this, and this has been an evolution over the last 10 years because I was in the financial space prior, but I realized that this is a, a blue ocean. There's not enough people really in this space. I realized that you know, most of my clients come from fractional CFOs. They come from CPAs that are forward-thinking, not CPAs that are not forward-thinking, They're a little bit more difficult to deal with, but I can. I just have to kind of take it slow and walk them through everything. And then, of course, wealth advisors. So wealth advisors love referring me to their clients because they have some of their clients have a lot of income or a lot of tax challenges. And if I can reduce that tax, what does it give the wealth advisor? More money to to shepherd for them. And I don't tell the I don't tell the person what to do with their money. I just show them how to save it by paying less taxes. So, and with CPAs, as you know, I don't do the tax filing prep, bookkeeping or recording. So the CPA is not on guard. I'm not looking to take their business. I'm just looking for those clients that are like always complaining. Why am I writing these big checks? Isn't there anything more that I can do? I heard that this other person pays no tax. Why does not Donald Trump not pay any tax? Like what is going on? Like, what, is, what are they doing that I'm not? Those are the ones that bring me in and we bring those extra layers. So I would say the CPA is like the, the catcher, the wealth advisor is like the pitcher, you know, they, they might have some kind of uh Specialist here and there on their like shortstop. But then I come in and say, well, you actually need a second baseman. You don't have a second baseman. And if you knew that you could put a right fielder in. So I, I basically am an extra coach that comes in and brings these different players to their team. And it's all about each player is all helping them create more business efficiency. And that business efficiency ultimately gives them a tax advantage like the chip shot. Hey, it's pretty efficient to have a board of directors meeting every month. It's really focus on your business, not stay in your business, right? Most people are in it, not on it. So now you carve out the time every month to do a board of directors meetings. Let's do it in your house. Why? Because you can, business can rent it from your house. It's a deduction to the business and it's free income for you. So that's really how I play the roles. I come in and bring in the players that need to be on the team and I make sure everybody's working together well and I don't step on anybody's toes.
0: Well, Mark, this is a great time in the show where we make a transition and we ask every guest the same four questions before they go. And the first question we ask is, have you had a miss or two in your journey and something you learned from it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you two misses. One is small. And that small miss is, you know, getting, especially in the, the business that I'm in, I represent other groups that spend all their time focusing on helping companies or businesses or high income earners execute a coupon, right? They focus on that sliver of the tax code and that's what they do best. And that's what you want because you don't want a jack of all trades. You want a group that does this really well and they understand that code really well on this application of code and this efficiency in this group. So I need to know all those groups and vet them because I need to have a big toolbox and I need to have a whole bunch of tools in there. So I made a mistake early on in partnering with a group that did something pretty special but signing an agreement that overextended that, they basically kept me a little bit too captive. And it was problematic when I was speaking to people that needed tax help because I couldn't, I was limited in my ability to say, well, you need this strategy blended with this strategy and that. So there's four strategies you need. Because I did, I didn't do my due diligence. This one group was saying, no, no, you can't offer any of these other strategies, or you can only offer this, this, and this. Because so that was a, a small miss initially, but I learned quickly to say, now I can't really serve my client because this one group that offers a pretty cool tax efficiency basically locked me down and said, no, 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 you can only offer us. You can't offer all these other things. So that was a small miss, but the, the huge miss, and this is, a, this is interesting. Like my whole career up until 40 years, until I was like 45 years old was, I didn't seek our creator's kingdom first, right? Seek first his righteousness. I'm talking about the righteousness of our creator and his salvation and all things will be added unto you. That was a big miss. And until I did that, nothing was balanced. And once I did that just a handful of years ago, man, everything's in alignment now.
0: Wow. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. Well, let's talk about a mate or two in your career. You've had a decorated career personally, professionally, any highlights you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that making the decision to join the Marine Corps, first year of college, University of Florida, was a really good one. It wasn't even planned. It's a long story, so I won't tell you how that happened. But essentially, what I learned from being in the Marine Corps for a little over six years, I was an active reservist, did all my, you know, my boot camp and my job training and combat training, etc. Once I was finished, I would just drill every month. So every month I'd travel to Jacksonville, Florida and spend two or three days. Doing what I do in the Marine Corps, which was drive drive amphibious tanks. And every year we go out to California and play war games in 29 Palms or Coronado. But that gave me discipline. That gave me resourcefulness. That gave me like a mission completion mindset and an overcoming mindset. And it also kept me from, you know, straying too much while I was at the University of Florida with regard to all the fun things you can do at a big university <laughs> It doesn't care if you show up for class. So that would be a big win for me is really that that discipline that I got from my Marine Corps obligation really has been carried out throughout my lifetime. Now, am I dis- as disciplined as I was? Absolutely not, but I still hold some of that discipline there. And of course, the big, the big hit or the big, you know, win is uh, you know, obviously accepting the salvation that salvation provides, which is from our creator, right?
0: Thank you for sharing. Well, and discipline is one of those things that I found just culturally seems to, at least in uh, American culture, seems to be not discussed often. In running the podcast and interviewing guests, there's a very consistent theme, which tends to be they're disciplined. Disciplined in execution, disciplined in planning and strategizing and thinking and doing what they do. The next question we'd like to ask is, have you used a multiplier to grow yourself personally or professionally?
1: Well, that's a good question. And I really should probably utilize a little bit more leverage than I have thus far. And I think that it's time for me to do that. But I will say that my leverage or multiplier has really been relationship-driven in that as I'm creating relationships with numerous, numerous professionals in the space, wealth advisors, insurance producers, tax pros, you know, fractional CFOs, et cetera, it's just created this snowball effect. And as it has grown, it's like now I have so much incoming business from people that already trust me and know me. And they already, their clients already trust and know them. So by the time I'm introduced to their client, and their professionals already known me for X amount of time, it really has created this multiplier. And that now it's like, okay, I need to really start scaling because I can't even handle the amount of influx of introductions and referrals, which is great because I don't really market my business other than you know doing a great podcast like this every once in a while. So
0: <laughs> Mark, the final question we ask every guest is what does success mean to you? First, it's about serving.
1: That's success. So if I am serving. I'm successful first, I think it's an order. It's serve your creator first, your maker, then serve your family and then serve others. So essentially if you keep it in that order, you're going to have success. there's no there's no way around it right So that is the ultimate success is being in a servitude type position, but a knowing the order. who do you serve first? you you know if you serve if you serve your clients before your family, that's problematic. If you serve your family even before your creator, that's problematic. So it really is proper order of being a servant.
0: Very, very interesting. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's interesting hearing you finding alignment in your priorities that you described. And I think back even for my business in our company and personally going through my own realignment in faith, and this would have been maybe five or six, seven years ago. And once that alignment happened, it was incredible to see the change and the transition that occurred because of that. And one thing in particular that I did was commit to tithing and give first. It's not mine anyway, right? No one takes anything with them when they go. So there was a commitment to that. And good months, bad months, everything in between. Good months are easy. The bad months are hard, <laughs> right? right? But still keeping to that, a fortune have been given back many more times over than I could have ever asked for. I really relate and appreciate that. Well, Mark, as we bring this to a close, is there anything you were hoping to share, or get across that you haven't had a chance to yet?
1: No, I just really would, you know, Tom, I just like to invite anyone to, you know, go to my website you know go to peakprofitsolutions.com and learn a little bit more about me you can pick up a case study or or if you just want to book an appointment I actually have a calendar that you can schedule an appointment directly with me via zoom or phone call and literally it only takes 15 minutes of a of a candid just fun conversation back and forth 15 20 minutes for me to know how much opportunity there is for that person I'm speaking to to reduce their tax and that from that point forward we determine how do we want to, how do we want to go from there so I just encourage everyone to, you know, treat their taxes like a profit center. And if they want to know more about how to do that, or if they want to really understand how many coupons that they are available to them that they're likely not using, just reach out. I'll I'll talk to them and we'll, we'll determine what
0: that what that number of coupons is. Mark, thank you so much for a great interview. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So, takeaway number one is when Mark talked about tax savings through what he called tax coupon clipping. And he shared that there are over 75,000 pages of tax code, and roughly 10,000 of those are showing what you're supposed to do. And the other 65,000 are what he calls these coupons that exist. Takeaway number two is that large companies view taxes as a profit center and have their accountants and tax professionals that search to try to find which of these, what he calls tax coupons, apply to their situation to reduce their tax burden. Takeaway number three is the comparison Mark gave to what he does, where he said, your general CPA is kind of like a general practice doctor. They know a lot, but they know a little bit about a lot of things to help you in your tax preparation. And so sometimes you need a specialist is what he said. And so Mark described himself as that tax specialist to help you with some of these areas. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is really all about these tax coupons. And the question being, well, is it legal? And the win-win is, yes, it is if you follow the letters of the tax code to the black and white letters that's written. He said the second you get into those gray areas is when problems occur. So stay in the black and white within what's described. And from what he said, it sounds like it's pretty straightforward. When you start drifting out into those gray areas, well, that's what creates challenges for businesses and individuals. And as a final disclosure, just before we close the episode, obviously this is not intended for tax advice, so be sure to seek counsel from your CPA or other tax professionals before implementing anything that you may have heard here.